God loves you. He really loves you. And he wanted to reveal himself so we could know him. And together we could help the world. And so that is why we have the Bible. The Bible is his word to us. But so many people don't understand it. Or they've just been told the wrong things about it. So many things affect the way we interpret the Bible, look at the Bible, or think about the Bible. And you know what? Too often we become bored with the Bible. So this is a podcast to hopefully refresh our relationship with the Bible and in turn refresh our relationship with God. My name's Ken and I'm your guide on this refresh journey. And my prayer and hope is that it would be a fruitful one for both you and me. So welcome to my podcast. Let's dive in. Well, do you like the basic stories of intrigue, mysteries, legal stuff, all that stuff, those movies we love? You know what? You're too familiar with this story, maybe, and that's why you don't really understand or see why this is such a crazy thing that's about to happen. And it is pretty crazy if you really think about it. And so this battle that's been brewing is about to come to a head. So join me in Matthew chapter 26 in the English Standard Version, starting with verse 1. It says this, When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Okay, they didn't know that. In fact, they still don't really know that. When he says that the Son of Man will be delivered to be crucified, it almost makes no sense, because crucifixion was the death penalty for the worst criminals. Jesus wasn't in jail. He had done nothing wrong. How in the world would he go from being the Messiah or being a prophet or being a guy who says Hosanna, being this teacher that they've been with the whole time, that they know has done nothing wrong, how would he end up on a cross? How would he be crucified? But he tells them, point blank. He's been hinting at it. He's been saying these things. Now he just says, boom, you know, in two days, this is going to happen and I'm going to be crucified. Verse 3, Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. So remember, in the past chapters, I was saying one of the reasons I think Jesus was telling people not to you know, make the miracles he did known or to not tell anybody or to, you know, draw away or these, this constant, not constant, but this regular thing that he would do where he would do a miracle and he'd tell people not to tell anybody or not make it known or different things like that was that I think part of it was he knew if, if, if too many people believed he was the Messiah, if too many people believed he was God or if too many people believed he was a good prophet, they would not let their leaders the religious Jewish leaders um, take and kill Jesus. However, they are still aware that Jesus is still a rock star and he still has crowds of people who follow him. So it's not enough to stop them from going through with their plan, but it is enough 
to make them realize they need to do this in secret. They need to plan a way to get Jesus without the crowd seeing it or knowing it. So they needed to find Jesus when he wasn't with the crowds. And if you notice, every time the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, every time the religious leaders show up, it's always with the crowds. So in those private times, when Jesus is just with his disciples, just with his 12, you never see the Pharisees there. So it's only in his public moments that they know where he's at. Verse 6, Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So Jesus makes that promise, and then Matthew writes it in his gospel. And now we're reading it today. So Jesus' prophecy was fulfilled right now, in this moment. Isn't that kind of fun? So he, uh, this woman comes in. He's sitting there at this lepers that he healed, and he's reclining at table. It's what they did in that part of the world at that time. They would have a table on the ground, basically, um, and they would have pillows. And so he was reclining at the table. A woman comes in. And this very expensive ointment, she breaks and she anoints Jesus' head. And the disciples, and we know that it was particularly Judas in another gospel who says this, but they say, you know, what a waste. We could have given that to the poor. And we have insight in, in other gospels that they weren't really thinking about the poor. They were thinking about themselves. And they wanted that money. But... Regardless, that's not what Matthew is talking about here. Matthew just says they cry out that this was a waste. And Jesus is saying, anything done for me is just not a waste. You can't think like that. And then he also says that she's anointing his head for burial. Now, he's he's told him he's going to be crucified. And now he mentions burial. And they just don't respond. Like, none of them respond. It's, it's as if they're just dumbfounded. They just think... You know, it's like they're hearing in the Peanuts cartoons, you know, Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. Like, I don't know what's going on. Now, obviously, Matthew heard it because he's writing it down for us in his gospel. But it's like they don't know how to react. They don't know what to say. All right, verse 14. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. So the religious leaders didn't go to Judas. Judas went to the religious leaders and offered a plan. Remember, they were meeting and trying to figure out how are we going to get Jesus in secret. And then Judas comes and says, hey, how much will you pay me to give you Jesus in secret? Total movie stuff here, right? It's like crazy what's happening. Now, the positioning of what we just read, the two things we just read of the disciples saying, You know, what a waste. We could have given that to the poor. And then Judas going and trying to get money. It does seem to be connected that Judas is somewhat triggered by this waste of money. That he wanted to profit and he missed out on that profit. And so then he decides to take matters in his own hands. So they pay him 30 pieces of silver right then and there. 
they don't say deliver Jesus and I'll give you 30 pieces. They give him the money and, you know, cross their fingers that he's going to come through. And then it says, from that moment forward, Judas began looking for a way to betray Jesus. Verse 17, now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. So it's very similar with the uh, with the donkey and the colt, right? Go into town and just, you know, grab this. Go into the city and tell the this guy that we're going to use his house for Passover. Passover was a Jewish holiday, still is today, main Jewish holiday, that remembers the Exodus. When the Jews were rescued from slavery under the Egyptian rule, then Moses led them out of slavery and into the promised land through 40 years of desert. But it's, it's, that, it's that initial leaving Egypt and leaving slavery and becoming free people. It's that initial exodus that the Passover is celebrating because what God did to get them released from the power of the Egyptians was to kill, well, to bring all these plagues. And the final one was to kill the firstborn son and firstborn, firstborn animal. That usually gets missed. But anyways, of everybody. And the Jews were protected from this massacre by putting the blood of sacrifice, sacrificial lambs, the blood on the doorposts. And so the angel of death who came and did this killing would pass over their houses. And this is where we get the name Passover. Well, from that day forward, the Jews celebrated in remembrance of this night where God spared them and freed them. And here we are many, many years after that happening, and they're still you know, celebrating the Passover. So this is still in the calendar. It's usually near when we celebrate Easter. It's in the spring. Um, sometimes it's, it's before Easter, sometimes after Easter, because it's a different calendar they use. But the, the Passover celebration, there's, you know, one of the things you do is you sweep your whole house of all yeast, all leaven. And so that's why it's called the, the feast of, un, you know, first day of unleavened bread. And it's a, it's a series of things, and you the, the climax of the Passover is the Passover Seder, or the meal that they're having. And so that's what's happening, is they're going into this person's house to prepare for the Passover meal. And there's a whole thing that goes with it. It's really cool. If you've never um, done a Passover, and you have a chance, definitely take, take advantage. Alright, verse 20. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, you have said so. Okay, the plot thickens. Imagine this. You're watching this movie and you see, you know, the religious leaders. They're trying to plot a way to kill Jesus and to find him in private. And then you see one of the 12, one of the inner core. He sneaks off and he goes to this group and he says, I will betray Jesus. Pay me money. They give him 30. Then now they're at the Passover, like this huge religious moment, this great moment. It's just the 12 of them. And Jesus says to them, one of you is going to betray me. Then you have all these 
you know, you have the 11 other who are like, what? Is it going to be me? Like, they're really confused again. And then you have Judas who knows it's him. And he says, is it I? And then Jesus says, basically, yes. So we don't know if this is kind of a private conversation they're each having with Jesus and the others don't hear or what. But, you know, if anyone else heard this, why did they let Judas leave the room or why don't they jump him and beat him up? <laughs> like all this stuff. It's just, it's an interesting scenario and I don't know exactly how it plays out where the others don't hear this interaction with Judas and Jesus. Also, I don't really know when what happens to Judas when Jesus says, you know, it'd be better if this guy wasn't born. And then Jesus says, is it I? And Jesus says, yes, it's you basically. So he just says, you know, it's better if you weren't born but you're going to betray me. And then what causes Judas to not at that point go, oh crap, I'm caught. Let me repent. And so we see that Judas, he's been chosen for this basically. It's kind of weird. Okay. So verse 26, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. All right, so if you ever do a Passover Seder, there are moments where you're breaking the matzah and you're drinking wine. There's three different points in in the meal, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly when I did it. There's three different points where you drink wine, and you eat the bread. So this is a point in the meal where they normally are eating, breaking and eating the bread and drinking the wine. During the Passover Seder, there are certain things you say. There's basically an instruction book that you go through. And at this point, you say this and do this. And at this point, you say this and do this. And here Jesus is going off script. And he's not saying what they always say year in and year out, every year. And everybody knows this. So Jesus mixes it up and he says, this is my body. And then he pours the wine and he says, this is my blood. And then he tells them to eat his body and drink his blood. This is where we get communion from. And then he says, my blood is the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So he says, this wine is my blood. My blood will be shed. Once again, I'm going to get killed on a cross. My blood is going to pour out. My blood will be shed for the forgiveness of sins of many. So he doesn't say forgiveness of sins of all because even though his blood, his death on the cross will pay for the sins of all, only those who accept that forgiveness will get the payment, will be, re, will be forgiven. And Jesus knows that some will reject him. After all, he's been telling these parables that at the end days there will be wheat and weeds. And so he knows that not everyone will accept him. And then he says, I will not drink of this wine again until I see you in the Father's kingdom. He knows that he's going to rise from the dead and then ascend into heaven, and it won't be till the, till the wedding feast when he returns that they will drink of it again. Verse 30, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, 
Truly I say to you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So here, here they're finished with the Seder meal. Then they go for a walk. And they're walking along the Mount of Olives. They're walking among these olive trees in this area. And it's getting late. So it's nighttime. And Jesus says, all of you will fall away. All of you will ditch me. Um, and then he says, when I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So he, this is, he's mentioning now he's going to rise again. So he just keeps spelling it out to them. I'm going to get crucified. My blood's going to get shed. I'm going to get betrayed. I'm going to rise again. And they're just, they're not grasping all this. And yet all of them swear, we would never deny you. We would never leave you. Once again, they're all wrong. Jesus is right, as we'll see. When, when things get really hot and heavy, they get scared and they, they, they bolt. And Jesus says, because you don't have a shepherd anymore. Verse 36, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Now remember, it's pretty late at night at this point. So now they go to this garden, this area, and Jesus wants to pray. And he tells them to kind of sit, sit over there, wait for me. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, right? He began to sorrowful, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So these are the same three that saw the transfiguration. All right, verse 38. Then he said to them, my so- the three, then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. So he leaves, you know, the nine behind and he takes three with him and he says, you know, remain with me. Be with me. I'm very, very troubled. Verse 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So he tells the eight remain or the nine to remain here. He takes three with them. He says, I'm very sorrowful even under death. Like my spirit is dead. Like I am so burdened right now. Stay with me. I need you. And then he takes a few steps and he falls on his face. And he cries out to God. And he says, if there's any other way, I don't want to go through with this. If there's any other way, I I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to shed my blood. I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to go through the suffering. I don't want to go through the, the horrendous hell that I'm going to go through. And then he says, but not my will, yours be done. In other words, he knows that there's no other way. He knows that's why he's on earth going through this. Verse 40, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he falls on his face and we get some of the prayer. But it sounds like he was praying for an hour. And then he comes and the three are asleep. I mean, it's probably the middle of the night at this point. So, verse 42, again for the second time he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. So he's going and pleading more. And he's just pouring out his heart to his father saying, I'm scared. I'm, you know, I don't want to do this. Verse 43, And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. 
Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your test later take your rest later. Sleep and take your rest later on. See the hours at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So it's the middle of the night. They're just they're not with a crowd. It's just the them. Jesus leaves the nine, takes the three with him, and then he falls down to pray. Judas, apparently, when he's left by Jesus, takes this opportunity to run and get the religious leaders. He leads them back to where Jesus is praying. The disciples keep falling asleep because it's the middle of the night. And, you know, Jesus tells them, look, I'm about to get betrayed. Wake up. Okay, so Jesus, Jesus knows what's happening here. Verse 47. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. Now, I always found that interesting because, you know, why would he need to point out who Jesus is? Right? Because everybody knows who Jesus is. He's a rock star. They've been interacting with him and doing all these other things. Um, I have two thoughts. One, there are people that are goons for hire, that with the swords and the clubs or whatever, that maybe don't know who Jesus is. And so he wants to, you know, point out to them. The other thing is it's very dark and it's late at night. And so maybe he wants to lead them to where Jesus is praying. And then he just does that. And he says, you know, I'll lead you there and then I'll kiss him basically. All right. So Verse 49, And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. So they seize Jesus, they arrest him, and one of the disciples takes out his sword and starts swinging. And he gets the ear of one of the servants. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber, with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. So here we have, once again, a Jewish audience Matthew's writing to. And so Jesus is talking about all of the different scriptures that need to be fulfilled about the Messiah coming. And here clearly is what's happening. He's getting arrested. All this stuff is happening. And he's upset with the disciple who breaks out his sword. He says, look, if I didn't want this to happen... I wouldn't, it wouldn't be happening. I'm allowing this to happen. Obviously, you've been with me long enough. You know I have power over all things. This is not a deal for me. Put away your sword. And he says, this has to happen this way because this is what the scriptures predicted. Then what Jesus had predicted, that they would all scatter without their shepherd, is what happens. They all run away. They don't want to get arrested. They don't want to get into a fight and all this stuff. So Jesus' direct prophecy that they all deny just literally moments ago they all run away. Now, keep in mind, we're, we're not done with chapter 26 here. We're almost done with it, but I'm going to stop here. But keep in mind, Jesus just got captured. 
the disciples all run away. It's the middle of the night. It's probably, you know, four or five in the morning. I don't even know. And it's the night of the Passover Seder meal. So everybody's done this Seder meal and nobody has work tomorrow. It's just, you know, it's a holiday. So everyone's out and about and they're doing their thing. And that is where um, we leave off. Jesus is going to trial. So this suspense uh, legal movie will continue. And we'll see all that Jesus is scared to go through and all that he's wish he didn't have to go through. We're going to see what he's going to go to go through uh, for you and for me and for the world. Pretty amazing stuff. Mm-hmm.